Hey everyone, and welcome to the Practica Podcast, the podcast where we encourage the practical application of the pulpit ministry in the local church. My name is Josh Loftus, and I'm here with my co-host, David, who is trying to make me laugh. Off Always. Always. Just I am going to get you one of these introductions. One, we're three eps in now. Unless I, I, I might I might bring costumes or signs or something into the mix. <laughs> if you show up to a recording session in full regalia. Like, you know, what you would know you what do you if need? I dressed up like J.L. Degg yeah, or, or like Spurgeon? Or, yes. Spurgeon, I feel like if you... Okay, I think if you, you just showed smile up, a lot. Yeah, if you showed up looking like Spurgeon, I feel like I'd be more impressed than amused. Ah, uh, that's true. If you showed up in like... You know what would do it? Is if you show up in one of those like presbyterian robes uh-huh you can get a presbyterian robe off amazon or something like that like choir boy looking robe no like you know like okay maybe not so much presbyterian lutheran oh okay like, you know like they'll go up there and preach in the robes with like the sash from like yep. phi theta kappa something like that <laughs> <laughs> has like luther's initials <laughs> at the bottom that's right. That's right. That would probably do it. That that That's would it, guaranteed get a smile out of me. Okay. But All right. I'll think go. about it. I've set the bar. What do you do? I bet you I could just get like a judge's robe and make it look like Dude, it. if you get like the white powder wig with it. <laughs> podcast obsession. A, a gavel yes, for during the podcast. Just, stand here, here. <laughs> just all podcast. <laughs> you say nothing other than that. Just that the whole time. Yeah, literally just that. Yeah. Which would do wonders for my self esteem, but not a whole lot for the edification of the saints. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. I think we've lost focus. We've derailed. Well, hundred percent. We're only like four minutes in. That's not bad. I think last ep was longer than that. That's true. <laughs> So, David, you were in, uh, well, again, we're, we got a little behind, so I can't say last week yet, because we're going to la- launch all right. of these probably probably on one day to yeah. be caught up. Right? There, was a, there was a pretty sizable gap. Uh, f- uh, January 9th was the first exposition, yeah. and the second exposition was February 27th. Because you had to go get double pneumonia. Yeah. Right? Like a slacker. Massive slacker. I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with you. My wife hates stuff like that. When people will be like, "Are you better yet? Are you fine now?" Yeah, you're just faking it, right? We had, in fact, we had someone who sadly um, has some mental issues, and they had shown up randomly at the church, um, who's before caused problems, and so everyone was a little bit on high alert. Um, The first week I came back, and that was one of his first comments to me. Um, was you're fake it, this is just all fake right my oxygen tank and and everything that, that's right you were there yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. that yeah. was the that was the day i preached that I was yeah. yeah so i wasn't doing anything i wasn't okay. well enough to do more than a 10 i couldn't drive or anything and it was very entertaining you couldn't even stay awake i was, you were, I was you were drifting. asleep you were asleep through I the entire drifting. sermon yeah. i saw you yeah i took it personally it was yeah it was, it was uh, a personal offense yeah, but I heard half your sermon. We haven't reconciled from that yet. <laughs> we'll have to do that later. Oh, man. <laughs> so um, what we're covering today was uh, your second or third, I think. I think second sermon, exposition. Second exposition. Verses 5 through 7. In First John, Correct. chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. I'm going to read this for us here. Wonderful. You're going to give us just a quick summary of the sermon. Okay. And then we're going to go into how we practically live out this passage, right? So, 1 John chapter 1, verses 5-7, through 7, read as follows. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him 
while we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Great passage. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. There's a warning, but also a promise. Yeah. Warning and hope. Yeah. We see, we see both of those very clearly here, right? Yeah. So walk us through really quick your exposition, and yeah. then let's start uh, just kind of kind of picking and choosing the things that we want to focus on for practical application. Yeah. Um, that's very, I love the way you put that. There's there's a, a warning and, and hope. And, you know, that's kind of how John goes back and forth from here and in, into chapter two, where he begins to pause. Um the main thing that I wanted to focus on different than the last exposition, we we had talked on how John was really focused on um, Jesus's humanity and really the really the aspect of Christology and the importance of that. Mm. And now um, John's kind of almost going a little bit broader and talking about um, theology proper in a sense as he's talking about God. And so really the the first point I tried to convey was that God is the true light and really to to play on these themes that John uses in his gospel letter and that he uses in 1 John of the, the the contrast between light and darkness that God is the true light and so as believers we must avoid darkness and seek to walk in light. And so that was really the the main point especially as John begins to deal with sin in this passage. And so he's showing God is light, which we had learned in the exposition, is uh, really like um, a pure um, moral perfection. God is morally perfect. He is true. And so this really showed that both in his word, as Psalm 119 would say, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path, um, and that really this is a picture of the standard, the moral standard that God expects. And so mm-hmm. John is really contrasting that to moral corruption and sin. Um, and so that was really the main point is to show that contrast throughout the exposition so that we would know God's standard um, and and the reality of what is required right. of, of believers. And so this, I would say... I think it's important for those listening to remember that uh, you know if they if they had heard the exposition or maybe our discussion um, as it gets into this text and, and even the following text when we record it, these two are a little bit heavy, um, mm-hmm. and they're heavy by the reality of what John's talking about. They're yeah. not hellfire and brimstone, um, and that was never my intention or heart in the exposition. But John does deal with the seriousness of sin, and I think that's what he's wanting his hearers to to understand and remember, is the reality of God's purity and that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. So if we have darkness in us, we cannot have such fellowship. But then he concludes with, hope. And I think that's a great conclusion that we'll even kind of conclude on today. So that's really a summary and kind of even looking forward to the to the next exposition. Yeah. So let's let's dive in a little bit to what it means for us as Christians to be living in the darkness versus living in the light, right? Because we have here in this passage John describing basically a hypocritical lifestyle, right? Where we claim to know the light. We claim to be in the light. We claim to 
to be one with Christ and to be a Christian, and yet our life reflects the exact opposite. Right. Right Right off the bat, let's be clear, John is not speaking about some sort of sinless perfectionism here, right? He understands he is dealing with fallen people, Hmm. right? The standard is holiness, which is why Jesus had to come for and pay the price for our sin, right? So he's not expecting Christians to be living a absolutely perfect lifestyle. He understands that we're going to fall in sin. But he also knows and he confesses that we should be striving for that holiness. Right. Right? And living lives that reflect the truth that is within us. right? Right? And it's that warring duality, right? That we are righteous yet wretched. Right. And it's right. something that we have to deal with this side of heaven. Right. Right. That our sins have been paid for and we stand before God holy and blameless. That is a truth that we confess wholeheartedly. But at the same time, we still understand that we struggle with the old man. Right. We still war against him. Right. Right. That darkness is still something that this side of heaven has not been fully defeated in our lives. The consequences of it have been. But the reality, day-to-day application of it has not. Right. right. Um, so that's something that I think John does a great job here in, in, in describing that, look, you confess the light. The light is yours. You have the ability to walk in it, right? But if you don't, while at the same time confessing it, you're showing that the light might not actually be in you. Yeah. <laughs> right? And like you said, it's a very sobering thing. Right, because it calls it calls us to take inventory of our lives. Right, right, and one of the I think overarching practical things that we should take from this is that we as Christians, especially if we believe in semper reformanda, that we are always reforming. Right, always coming into a a greater and closer conformity to the Word of God. We should be in constant evaluation mode of our right. lives. Yeah, right, as to okay. How is my life, my conduct, my speech, my thoughts, my actions, how are they lining up against the standard given to me in Scripture, right? I don't do that as a means to be seen righteous by God, but I do that out of my love and gratitude and thankfulness for the righteousness that I have been given, right? So even in the application of this, our motives really, really matter, Right. Right. As to why we are striving to walk in the light and not in darkness. Motives, the, the heart motive is really, really important in this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, one of the things in the exposition that I had really tried to stress was the reality that there's a difference between a, a Christian wrestling with sin and walking in it. Mm, you know, and yeah. both John and Paul use the language of walk to describe someone's life mm-hmm. um, if you're living in this way. Um, and I think we we often have the um we often have the the more serious sins in mind. Um, but I think all s- sins um should be in our mind. And I think that's where, you know, again, uh, we're we're often encouraged. I mean, in Second Corinthians, Paul encourages the believer: examine yourself to see if you be in the faith. Mm-hmm. And I, I think there are far too many that may approach that in a terrifying way of you know just this this ever increasing 
insecurity, whereas John's wanting them to examine themselves and, and be aware of these things, that they would have assurance. Mm-hmm. You know, I think yeah. to read these verses, that's something I tried to stress in the exposition that we'll get to next week, is that John's not trying to create an insecurity in the believers. He's trying to assure them that they have true fellowship, that they know the true Christ. And that's really important. So, um, I think to understand the difference between walking in darkness and wrestling with the reality of darkness and temptation is a very important distinction. Mm-hmm. And again, the problem often happens when we both wrestle in the darkness and we and we give in to the temptation of walking in darkness, I think is that we begin to look at ourselves, And that's why John is starting with, in that in that section, God is the true light. Mm. Uh, focus yep. on focus on the Lord. Focus on His moral standard. Uh, of course, we know um, as uh, those that are reformed, we understand that historically, as it has been understood, God's moral standard um, is His law, the the Ten Commandments. And so, we don't do that to be perfect. We understand the reality of that indwelling sin that's still going to be uh, something we're wrestling with in the flesh. Mm-hmm. But I think that's the the really helpful reminder is is looking at God's moral standard rather than ourselves and really examining ourselves. Am I being obedient to the Lord through the faithfulness of Christ? Mm-hmm. And that's what I think John is doing in showing this really helpful contrast of God as light and 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 those who would choose to walk in darkness rather than avoid it. I think avoiding darkness in the Christian life practically means it matters where you look. Are you looking to God or are you looking to yourself? Because you are not capable of no. keeping yourself out of darkness. No, no, no. And, um, and we have to be realistic that we live in a world that is full of darkness, right? Like darkness is going to surround us every day we are on this earth until heaven. <laughs> Right. right, which stresses the importance of keeping our eyes on Christ, right, and utilizing not the world standards, not our standards, for what is righteous and what is holy and what is worth striving for as Christians, but the standards of God, right, right? the standards in His Word, His precepts, His law, right, yeah, the 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 way that Christ tells us and commands us to interact with each other in the Gospels, yeah, right. So when we when we talk about this this concept of of walking in the light, right, and 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 being in fellowship with Christ, walking in the light, um, I think it's very important that we keep that standard of what the light is, because the world that we live in is constantly trying to pull our gaze to and pull our affections, right? Pull us off the path. I I love I love the Pilgrim's Progress, right? If anybody hasn't read the Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan, you have to read the Pilgrim's Progress. It's yeah. full of so many rich just visual truths that 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 greater expound on the truths of scripture, right? The movie's good too. Uh, which movie? The new movie. The, the new it's animated and the, it, oh the cartoon the one? Gettys put it on. I haven't seen that one oh, yet. Is it good? It's, it's really good. It's and because it's produced by those who are who are reformed, I yeah. think it honors Bunyan's intent. Obviously, I, you're I not going to get everything in a movie that's in the oh, of course. Book, but yeah. my boys love that movie, and I love encouraging parents to show their kids that movie because it so visually illustrates right gospel points. Yeah. So 
Huh. I yeah, I've been wanting to see it. I haven't seen it yet. It's really good. I'll, I'll have to. Uh, do you know where you can find it? Amazon Prime. I believe. I believe it might even be on okay. iTunes, and it's probably streaming a few other places. I think the quickest way is just Google Pilgrim's Progress movie, and it's it's made. I think I think it was made in either twenty twenty or. Yeah, I thought it was a more back recent in 2019. Thing. Yeah, it's very okay. recent. All right. All Put right. on by the Gettys. Sweet. Um, so it's really good. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so watch the movie, read the book, right? Uh, but but in that, there's when when Christian and Faithful are walking through Vanity Fair, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Which is one of, my, one of I, my favorite portions of the book. It's sad, but it's one of my favorite portions because you see them walking through this Vanity Fair, which is Bunyan's... Uh, illustration for this world that we live in yeah we live in a vanity fair all is vanity everything is wanting to pull you off the path everything is wanting to divert your gaze everything is wanting to to pull you away from where you are going we are sojourners pilgrims walking through this vanity fair on the way to the celestial city and we are called to live like our king as we are walking right and this world that we live in is vanity fair trying to pull you off the path Look at this. Put your investments in this. Uh, worry about this. Be committed to this, right? And often, and I think this is where the world and our enemy, Satan, is very subtle, is often those distractions can seem on the surface as worthy and good things to put our time into, right? Mm-hmm. When in actuality, it's simply distracting us from the mission that we have been called to in Christ. Right. Right. And that takes wisdom and discernment and a life that is constantly looking at the light, constantly living in the light, constantly utilizing scripture as our barometer to discern whether or not these things are worth putting our time into. Right. Yeah. So we must as Christians be constantly evaluating everything through the standard of scripture. If we are going to claim that we have fellowship with Christ, right? This concept yeah. of fellowship comes up again. Right. Right. John is very intentional with utilizing this phrase and this concept of fellowshipping together, unity together, being right. close to one another. Right. Because we all have experienced what happens when you are living in, in, in habitual sin, you feel very separated and apart from God. Right. Doesn't mean you are, right? It just feels that way. And that fellowship is severed. Right. Right? Because we know we're not living in accordance to what God tells us to to do. Right. Right. But when we are walking in the light, when we are striving toward righteousness and living our lives in a way that that reflect the image of Christ that is within us, that fellowship is sweet. Right. And it's sweet not only with God, but also with his people. Right. Right. Because there's nothing that will drive a wedge in between brothers and sisters in Christ greater and faster than unrepentant sin. Yeah. Right. And two, I think there's an there's an encouragement here as 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 hard as I think some of these things are for us to hear and process and. And think about that if we are walking in sin, in that darkness, you know, we we don't have fellowship with God. The reality is that John is dealing with false teachers who are claiming such things. Mm-hmm. And at the end of verse 6, he, he tells them, he basically says, listen, if we're going to say, which many believe when John says, if we say this, he's essentially quoting 
these false teachers and 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 really using their own uh, thinking and theology. But really, if we're to say we have fellowship while we walk in sin, John's saying we're, we're liars. The truth is not in us. Right. And so there's there's that realistic warning. Um, and, and I think that's something that is really important today because there are so many, uh, I would say, they call themselves churches or, or organizations that appear as Christian but they condone a lifestyle of the world. Mm-hmm. And John is really warning of such a false teaching to say, listen, God's pure. God is light. You know, one of the things I mentioned in my exposition on this was that John's not giving us anything new. Um, yeah. You know, uh, in Genesis 1, we see that God created light because God himself is light. Therefore, he is the one who can bring it forth. And in, uh, I believe it's Exodus uh, 13, you see that that God guides his people as a great light. And so, I think this is a, a really important thing to remember that, that, that standard that guides us. Mm-hmm. It's not something yeah. we can meet on our own, which is why in verse 7, John is saying, listen, if you walk in light as, as, as God is in the light, then you have fellowship with him. You have fellowship with with one another. Right. And there's that comforting, hopeful promise that the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all our sin. Amen. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's do a minute, because you mentioned something there that I think is important and would be valuable to touch on. Sure. You spoke about churches that condone a way of living that is worldly. Mm-hmm. Right? I think there's a lot of different definitions out there these days, especially within Christendom, of what worldly living looks like. Sure. Right? Let's do a couple minutes on when we talk about worldly living or the or a church condoning what is a worldly lifestyle. What are some things that we mean when we talk about that? Because I think there's a lot of churches a lot of individuals that would point to, I don't know, either this or that of things that are perhaps more conscience issues hmm. as to... It, it, so you want to clarify we're not crusty fundies. Well... <laughs> we're not just some old fundamentalist Baptist group. I I, yeah, I didn't want to use that language, but sure. <laughs> I yeah, got gotcha. I, I, I think it's I think it's important that we define terms correctly sure. so that we can identify issues correctly, right? When yeah. we talk about churches that are living in a way and condoning things that are of the world. Sure. What are we talking about there? Yeah. Well, I think, um, obviously, Paul is going to give many examples in the New Testament of both serious, I mean, all sin is serious, but uh, serious in the way of different consequences in their outcome. Mm-hmm. And I think... Uh, a church that would condone a a worldly lifestyle yep. would be something for one that's clearly condemned in the Bible and clearly condoned in the culture. And so, yeah. you know, we yeah. see things from the very serious of uh, different sexual identity issues today, mm-hmm. um, uh, homosexuality. Um, mm-hmm. uh, we see uh, drinking and drunkenness. Yep. Um, I think mistreatment of of wives um, is something that you know. Sadly, I think there are churches who turn a blind eye to some of these things, mm-hmm. um, and and there are those who 
part of the blind eye turning is because they're in leadership. When we know, you know, so-and-so gossips a ton and their mouth just seems like a dumpster fire right. um, in the their stories they an, tell. Their mouth is an open grave. Yes, we are exactly. Going to utilize scripture. It's right? a yeah. restless flame of fire. That's is right. Their tongue. You know, or, or the guy who gets drunk Friday night and Saturday night, or just is verbally abusive to his wife and then mm-hmm. teaches adult Sunday school class. I think those yeah. are, you know what I mean? Those are, yeah. I, I think those are examples, um, yeah. both the broad and the, and the, and the direct, I think you have people who claim to be in fellowship with God, who are in the church and are putting on a really big show. Mm-hmm. And while in, in the spiritual sense, they're walking in darkness. So I would say some of yeah. those <clears throat> ways of walking in the way of the world is the way in which you see what the world celebrates. Mm-hmm. And that they walk in those, whether pr- like privately or publicly, um, and... And they're contradicting the way the Bible uh, clearly condemns those things and how the church would fight against those things. Yep. 100%. So those, those are some that I would say. Yeah. No, I, I would I would wholeheartedly co-sign on that. Yeah. Yeah. I think our standard for righteousness must be scripture, mm-hmm. right? Not the world, not other Christians, not church leaders, scripture, right? And we live in a culture that celebrates what is evil. And we as the church have a responsibility, if we claim to be associated with the light, to walk in the light and to preach the light, right? So when we talk about evil, a worldly lifestyle, go to scripture as your standard, right? What does the Bible say? Right. Does the Bible say this is evil? Then it's evil. Debate over. Right. It's not even a conversation, right. right? I hate, I hate the. Uh, there's a bumper sticker. I, I might have said this before. I, I can't remember. The bumper sticker that says, uh, "God said it. I believe it. That settles it." Have, yeah. you, have you seen that? Uh huh. I hate that bumper sticker so much. But are you going to argue for the bumper sticker now? I, I I'm going to argue for a a a, a, <laughs> a different a variation of the bumper sticker. It should be God said it. That settles it. Sure. I. Yeah. I, I don't matter. <laughs> yeah. Whether or not I accept it as true does not infuse it with truth. God's standard is God's standard. Yeah. Right. And and we need to be running back to that as Christians, right? So yeah. I for the remainder of our time, John speaks about fellowship here and how the fellowship that we have as Christians will be sweet when we are walking in the light, right? So we talk about wanting to live a godly lifestyle, not wanting to live in a way that the world condones. Let's give some practical application and practical advice um, to our people regarding how we can accomplish these things, right? If we want to live a life that confesses practically the fact that we are in the light. How do we do that? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, I mean, 
<clears throat> I think it's it's not just trying to run from sin, and I think that's the one of the natural inclinations is to to be very almost Roman Catholic about it. You know, if we see the reality of this text and we we feel the weight of it, then we have to rush into the confessional booth where John is very clear, run to Christ. Mm-hmm. The reason you have fellowship with God is because you are walking in the light as he is. And that was one of the points I tried to stress about um, about this was that John says, if you are, it's because that's where where he is, where Christ is found. Yeah. Um, and so I think one of the the important applications is that in order to live in the light, we it means we know Christ and we are intimate with Christ in in relationship. Mm-hmm. And I and I think that's uh, an important thing that you know it, that's it. That's a really easy thing to say on a podcast in a sermon. Yeah. But practically living that out is a difficult and important thing. You know, you had mentioned, you know, the standard of righteousness is is in the word. That's, you know, clearly we know that that the standard our standard of righteousness and our only means of righteousness is the word incarnate, Jesus Christ. Right. And so I think on a day-to-day level it means being dependent upon Christ. It means, you know, I, I think in order to fight sin, um, which is darkness, as John uses the terminology, we have to be more and more exposed to the light. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, John says in the opening of his gospel letter, the light shone in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Yep. So if we want darkness to be expelled out of our lives, not not perfectly and completely in this life, but if we want to be more and more walking in the light, then we have to devote ourselves to not only learning who Christ is in a, in a knowledge way, but we also need to know who Christ is experientially. Mm-hmm. We, we need to have the gospel so clear in our minds and our hearts that every moment um, whether whether good or bad brings us back to think about the gospel. Right, exactly. I think that's an important thing that John is John is really showing us that walking in the light produces fellowship, and when we when we wrestle with sin, uh, we have Christ, the blood of Christ, that cleanses us. Hundred percent. I think that has to be primary. That has to be first, right? And I think yeah. it's also important for us as believers to understand is that when it comes to the fight against sin, when it comes to living a life that is rejecting the things of the world and clinging to the things of Christ, that fight is enabled by the Holy Spirit. And it's only done, like David said, through keeping your focus and your eyes on Christ, relying on him for that strength and not yourself, but also realizing that God uses his people to help accomplish that. Right, mm-hmm. we have a responsibility as Christians if we are going to fight our flesh, is to make our flesh known to our brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah, right, absolutely, and to be vulnerable, to be transparent with those in our local church. Yeah, right. I, I, I love constantly bringing things back to the local church because it in all of the concepts that we're going to talk about you're going to see them primarily worked out within the local church. Right. That's where it happens. Yeah. Right? And there is no greater gift other than the spirit, of course, that God gives his people in the war against sin 
than your brothers and sisters in Christ. Those that are investing in your life, holding you accountable, right. calling you out on sin when it is necessary, and encouraging you in the faith. Yeah. Right? We all need that. That's something all of us need. Yeah. Right? But it requires us to be transparent. Right. And especially us reform people, we don't like that. <laughs> we don't, like, like we got a problem with, with being transparent with people. Right. Mm-hmm. And it might just be more of an American thing. I don't know. You could, there's so many studies of why it's true. It's just for most people, it's true. We don't like being known. And I mean, really known. Sure. It's very easy to say, oh, you know, how was your week? Oh, yeah, I was rough, just struggling, you know, just rough week. No, no, no. Tell me, tell me how. Tell me specifically how. Right. That takes work. That takes relationships. That takes, that takes a, a lifestyle and and a and a culture within the church that requires that transparency to be fostered, right? Right. Which a lot of churches don't have, which is sad, right? But it but it but it can be created from the leadership being transparent and authentic with who they are. Man, that has a that has an outflow into the congregation. Right. You want to fight sin, don't do it on your own. There's no such thing as a lone wolf Christian. We need each other right. in order for that battle to be overcome. Yeah. Right? When Jesus was going to the garden to pray before going to the cross, in yep. Matthew 26, he told his disciples, watch and pray mm-hmm. that you may not enter into temptation. And I yep. think there's two very helpful applications of watch and pray, but he says that to them together. For the spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. And I think that's the thing that amazingly, we have the confidence that the blood of Christ continually cleanses us from impurity, mm-hmm. but we also have each other to remind, to be reminded of that. Well, well, Jesus, Jesus didn't go into the garden by himself. He needed, he wanted his disciples around him. Right. Right. Like, this isn't just this, like, we see Christ in his most dire need, knowing he's struggling, right? And obviously, it's not to the same way that that we do, because he was without sin, but he's struggling in the garden. He is in agony, and he doesn't want to be alone. He understands, I, like, I need help. Like, like, like I need I need people here, right? Yeah. And it, his disciples, and which is why I think you hear the pain in his voice. Like he couldn't even stay awake. <laughs> sure, you know, like yeah. come on, guys, you know. And it's but but even in Christ, like he models that for us. That yeah. that that you don't you don't just go do this on your own, right? Even though Christ was the only one that could, he didn't. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. I, I I just think I think Christ in the garden is such an incredible picture for us as Christians to truly see like one of the great benefits of living in community right even though the disciples completely and epically failed in that story (laughs) sure the the application is still true right yeah and you see you see jesus as he leaves the disciples behind he goes to the father and prays Mm -hmm. and and he walks out not in doing his own will but the will of the father right and he walks out in obedience um so yeah, I think I think those are some really important applications we learned from that is to to walk in the light. Really, we we need to watch and we need to pray and we need each other mm-hmm. um, in that fellowship to hold each other accountable, not only to fellowship with God, but also to walk along beside us um, in our care and reminding us of the importance of the gospel.
Hundred percent, man. Yeah, love it. Yeah. All right, that was First John one five through seven. Right, it was five through seven. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> right on. Well, we we greatly appreciate you guys listening. We hope it was encouraging. We hope it was thought provoking. Um, if you have thoughts, encouragements, uh, questions, anything like that, you can reach David and I uh, on all the socials. Well, I'm on all the socials. I think David, you're on Instagram and Facebook, right? I am. I'm not on Twitter. You're not on Twitter. Yeah. That's fine. Not much happens on Twitter. Not on That's TikTok. Worth it, worth not on any days. of those things. Oh, you're a big TikToker. We all I'm, know. I'm too we old for TikTok. That's what they all say. Someone had told me like there was a deconstruction story and they're like, did you see that on TikTok? And I was like, I'm not on TikTok. I'm too old for TikTok. That's right. That's I'm right. an old man. You're just an old fundy. Yeah. An old man. Yeah. Over here on oxygen. Yep. Sitting here just wasting your life away just wasting away that's one right. podcast episode at a time one podcast episode <laughs> at a time that's probably how our listeners feel just yeah. waste wasting my life away listening <laughs> to this podcast one podcast at a time uh, it'll, it, it'll get better that's right well you can reach out to us personally or you can go on all the socials to practicapod at practicapod we're on instagram facebook and twitter you can reach us through instant messages there you can head to www.practicapod.com to catch up on episodes um there's a contact us form there that might be it at this point i don't know we haven't looked at the website for a while it probably needs a little work (laughs) just a little tweaking but that's okay david has had double pneumonia we're gonna give him a pass but for not once i get past the double then we'll yes once it comes into single pneumonia or 0.75 pneumonia then we're going to start expecting more from you, David. Okay, <laughs> just, there we just, go. Just so you know, gotta up my up my my quality. There. That hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly right. Well, we thank you all for listening, and uh, we will catch you on the next episode of the Practica Podcast. You all have a good week. <laughs>